0: You are listening to DFPN, the Debt Filling Podcast Network. If you'd like to advertise with us or have a great podcast idea that needs a home, please reach out to us at podcastdatfilon at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you love to listen to your favorite podcasts. And always remember to question the answers. Go get it. I'm, I'm actually really glad that... Uh, you wanted to take it directly from Okinawa to, uh, to Japan. It's weird, like, as soon as you said that, I remembered something. That's how this stuff works, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little bit, we can't always see, you know, it's like we can't always see the narrative, you know, even though it's in our head. Sometimes we gotta we gotta be kind of guided to certain things that we forgot about was even there, you know, that might be kind of important.
0: Yeah, to, to very, very, very important because the first, well, before we even get into it, man uh, Yo, you listening to uh, DFBN, the That Feeling Podcast Network, man uh, This is the second episode of Lost in Translation I am Mark, and my guy is... Malik Abdulrahman, what is up, what is up? welcome and thank you. Thank you for, uh, for for, for continuing on this journey with us. We're learning a lot as we go. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully hopefully as they continue, uh, they'll continue to get better, which things do, you know, the more you do them, So, um, but, uh, you wanted to, you wanted to, I'm going to just let you go because I, I know you wanted to go, you wanted to start this one from leaving Okinawa, right?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's important for me to touch on. um, I I think I mentioned this in the first episode that I had been doing a lot of research on the Japanese hip-hop scene and music scene, but the hip-hop scene in particular before even getting to Okinawa. So when it came time for me to move after a year, a little over a year, I I stayed there. And when it came time for me to move, I kind of had a lot of pieces in place already. Mm -hmm. um, As as far as like... um, understanding the landscape of the geographic landscape of uh of not just Tokyo but also like their music scene and the hip hop scene in particular again. Um so I had you know I, I had, you know, certain things in place already. I'd already had my music equipment acquired. Mm-hmm. Um I had and more importantly, I had like a means of transportation, which is very important. I think in this right. whole this whole story. I had my my truck, which I mentioned before I think is a Toyota Land cruiser, which I also think is important that to, to, I to, to say what kind of truck it was because it was a big body SUV, diesel SUV. Mm, you know? um, I remember it. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Man, I, w- I was parallel parking like a champion, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, when it came time for me to move about six weeks out, I packed up everything. I went and got an inspection on the truck, drained all the fluids out of it, and had it shipped on a boat up to Tokyo. So when it came time for me to get there, I, I think my truck came about a week, week and a half after I arrived. It was that quick. Mm-hmm. Um so my my first full weekend in Tokyo, I literally um I literally uh I I had an SUV, you know, I had my I had my car, my truck. I go pick up the truck, um and then I about a day later decided like okay, it's time for me to go ahead and go out and go um into the city and and I didn't even know how to do that, to be honest. Like, I knew that the epicenter of Japanese hip-hop in many, many ways is in, um, is in uh, what do you call it, um, in Shibuya. Okay, I knew right, that right, 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 um, right. Pr- in particular, it's this, it's this one club called Shibuya Harlem, when that was kind of like where all of it happened. A huge club, which is like uh, the bottom floor probably holds about 1,000 people. There's an upstairs area as well that holds like half of that. Master spot. I'd never been there before. Um, I got directions from somebody who uh, speaks Japanese and who's who was Japanese. Um, they printed out a map for me, and I literally took this map with with me in the car and drove all the way down into the city. Mm. drove all the way down into the city into uh you know I'm coming from the west side of uh deep you know deep in the west side, kind of the foothills leading up to uh towards uh, Mount Fuji. I came all the way into the city somehow with this map and made it, you know, I made it. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I, I go and I, uh, park my car. I, 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 once I'm in Shibuya, I understand the whole area. I park my car. Um, I go and, um, I think I found like the first, I think I said before, when we were talking before that, I found the first, um, first dude that looked like he was in the hip hop music, man. <laughs> like he's wearing Tim's, you know, got the baggy jeans. He had an Averick's coat on, you know, I was like, that's my guy right there. And I, I go and I talk to him. I'm like, look, do you know the spot, Club Harlem? And he took me there. He took me there. Mm-hmm. Led me all the way there. I couldn't get inside, actually. When I get there, there's a lot of guys who are like expats working the door. Oh. You know, some of them military veterans, big body dudes. And uh, they're like, you can't come in. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah. I was like, it's like 3,000 yen to get in, which is like, uh, and that's like 27 bucks at the time. I was like, I got the money. And the dude's like, no, we're not, we're not allowing foreigners in, actually. You can you know, you gotta have like a, a, you gotta have, you have to be a guest of somebody, um, to come inside the right, club. Right, right, right. Reason being, and I think this is definitely going to lead into some things, or, or it's going to feed into some things that we're going to touch on in this episode. But reason being was that they had had, um, uh, uh, at that time, a recent history of military members actually showing up at the club and causing all kinds of ruckus, um, you know, fights and things like that. And so they're like, look, you know, we're not just letting anybody in. I ended up. There's a, there a, there a few girls that were standing uh, in line, and I started talking to them. I was like, hey, look, I can't get inside. You mind just sponsoring me to go inside the club? And they said, okay. I said, look, I'll get all you and all your friends' drinks. Just get me inside. And so I did that. They got me inside. And as soon as I get in, it's just like, whoa, it's like being transported into a whole nother dimension. Right. Um, and I started seeing folks. Actually, the first night I went there happened to be an album release of somebody who you and I both know. Um, a kid named Sphere of Influence who was on Def oh, Jam okay. Japan. Yeah, yeah. My first ever night at Club Harlem in Shibuya, it was his album release party at Def Jam Japan. And I had been doing all this research, so I knew all these artists there. So I just started talking to these guys like, yo, you're DJ Hazame. Yo, you're Dabo. Oh, you're so-and-so. And... All these cats are like, who is this dude? Right. <laughs> like, like, who is this black dude who just showed up in the club and knows all of us and knows our works and has our albums? Mm-hmm. So that that was it. And from that point on, uh, Hazami and I had a really great friendship that kind of blossomed from that first night. And he's like, text me anytime you want to come. And I was like, I definitely will. And the next weekend and every weekend, just about every Saturday for about a good year or two after that, I was hitting him up. He put my name on the guest list and I was able to go in and I was just observing a lot and building a lot with a lot of people and that was kind of like my introduction to a Japanese hip-hop scene.
0: They were were just intrigued with you as you were with them.
1: 100%. It
0: was was you. You were, they weren't, they weren't, they definitely weren't expecting you. You
1: know what I mean? Um, Definitely um, not. I will say this too. Just to, you know, to kind of prove your point, it's like uh, it um, still is the same way. My Japanese is better through my ears than it is through me speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I'm picking up more and more language skills, um, they were introduced. Like, a lot of folks that I was meeting were introducing me later on to other people in that way. Like, you know, basically, like this is this guy Malik. He's American and he makes beats. Which, mind you, I told everybody it was a beat maker. I hadn't made a beat yet. Then not one that I could stand by anyway. Right right, were, right, right. That's how they were introducing me. And like, and he knows all about Japanese hip hop and it was almost right. it was almost spectacle in a certain kind of a way mm-hmm. you know so yeah you know um me
0: me arriving in tokyo the first thing i wanted to do if you remember from the first episode i told you i i had a studio set up in uh, yeah. in okinawa and i was making money um funny thing about that studio was i had no parking for people when they came by and uh, one of the one of the rites of passage to come into my studio was that your car would get told. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So wow! Almost everybody that came through the studio. Uh, shout out to everybody that came through that studio. Everybody car kind of got told <laughs> at some point. <laughs> and everybody, and it was funny because everybody thought they they had a new spot where they wouldn't get told, but they would get told. Just
1: want to have the system
0: beat. Yeah. And what was really funny about that is the studio was only if you walked from gate two um mm-hmm. of of Kadena, the studio was like a ten minute walk. But so nobody but, but nobody wanted yeah to Airbase Kadena uh to my apartment was only a ten minute walk and nobody wanted to make the walk. That's neither. Oh, wow. So <laughs> so uh <laughs> and and and, and the, the, the traffic was so bad that it took twenty minutes to just drive there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, there's literally it, it's going to sound made up, but there's literally a, a a traffic light leaving that base every fifty yards.
1: Another, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been yeah, there before, a few another,
0: times. It's 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 insane, and it's, and it's always packed. But it's a so choke point. I, exactly? So so when I got to Tokyo, the first thing I wanted to do was keep the money rolling. Mm.
1: You know, I
0: wanted to get a a, a studio set up. And my new place and my new place wound up being um well the first person i met there was Bronx. shout out to um, Bronx. um yeah. a friend of mine a friend of mine that i knew in Delaware had gone to some sort of class with him and kept mm-hmm. up with him and told me uh, when i got to shout out to DJ Leftfield that's the friend i'm talking about um, And he told me when I got to Tokyo that he had a friend out there named The Bronx that was doing his thing in music and he could probably help me out. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, and man, it's just, wow. I cannot remember the memories that are coming back to me right now. But anyways, (laughs) um, so I met him and he was the one that put me on to game as far as finding a place off base and where I should probably go, this, that, and the third. Um, And so I got linked up with a realtor and got a nice townhouse, a uh, a nice two floor townhouse probably about a good twenty twenty five minute drive from from the base uh maybe maybe okay. close to the thirty maybe closer to the yeah i'll say maybe about thirty so. because it, it it took it took ten fifteen minutes just to just to get around the um just to get around uh i think it's it's uh fusa station yeah the, the train okay. station it took it took just to get from the base to fusa station you had to get around fusa station and then still drive another ten fifteen minutes that was like the midway point. Exactly. So, uh, so I got a, I got a nice place and then, um, and I had money from, from having a studio in Okinawa. So I started, uh, ordering equipment. Um, but it was some things that I couldn't get mailed to me. So, um, it's going to seem like I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm not, cause I'm gonna stop myself. But mm-hmm. I, I, as I, I couldn't have something shipped to me, I wanted a mixer. I wanted, I wanted this particular Yamaha mixer that I wanted. Mm. And uh, and there were these speakers that I wanted, and so uh, a young lady that I met um, drove me into Shibuya, right? From mm. drove, drove okay. Shibuya to uh, Ishi- Ishibashi. Ishibashi, that's you know, is the you know, spot right there. You know what I mean? Which is which is where I wound up meeting Yoke because he was uh-huh. he, he was the English speaking associate, right? So uh-huh. he was, <laughs> that's how I met him. <laughs> And so, but I'm a, I'm am I'm not gonna go any further with that. But but so what I but, yeah, Yoko, but I Yoko, did, Yoko 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 himself later on. For sure, for sure, <laughs> very very important part of my story in Tokyo. Shout out to uh, to to, to Yoko. But um, so I, I got the studio all together and was completely wrong about my idea of having a studio because most of the single guys on base that had money. Didn't have cars necessarily, and I I didn't. And what was different from being at Okinawa was my studio was right outside the base in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. It was easy to get to. Um, you didn't have to have a car. You could walk. Um, there were there, there was uh, a, there was another Marine base not far, Foster, um, where people would come from there too. So I was I was recording Marines, um, seamen. Airmen, like, I was I was recording people all over, over the island, so I figured when I got to Tokyo, it would kind of be some of the same, but what I didn't realize is how much bigger it was, how much more expansive it was than that island, so trying to get... Yeah, the closest uh, other base is, like, a few hours away, easily. Right. Easily. So, yeah. so, trying to get people to come from base to my house just wasn't happening. Like, it just wasn't mm. happening, so... So, uh... And that's around the time that, that I met you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and... I, I, I know that in the lead up to this podcast, like we had like a, a IG live um, chat kind of like mm. pushing that podcast and letting people know about what it was. But one of the things that I, and I'll just really quickly share um, is that the way that we met was um, I hadn't been in Tokyo, but for probably about five months maybe. Mm. Um, and a guy that I knew um Shout out to my man Sean Kennard, NASA. Mm. Yeah, um, my man went by NASA PlayStation, yo. But <laughs> raw, raw, yeah. You still raw. keep
0: up
1: um, with It's been a while, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, every now and then we'll, will I think he's still, he might be still being Facebook land. I'm not really on that anymore, mm. but um, you know, he passes me this CD, and I want to say about two or three weeks earlier, I had started having cats come through. Like I'm working on beats, and they'll come through and cipher and whatnot. Mind you, I had no way to record. I didn't even know how to record if I wanted to. Mm. Um, but he passes me this CD. And at the time, I'm very, very heavily into, you know, I'm very heavy into like Jay Dilla, very heavy into like Ninth Wonder, different, you know, different types of producers who were really bubbling up at that time mm. and kind of modeling my sound after them, or at least getting direction from for production from them. Gives me the CD called Still Dreaming it was like a low grade photo and all that. You know, it's obviously something that somebody put together themselves Mm -hmm. and put out. And I had the CD for a little while, actually. I think I had the CD probably for a few days before I actually listened to it. I remember he was like, listen to this, listen to this. And Mm -hmm. I finally listened to it. Actually, when I listened to it, I listened to it in my car. I was sitting in the car. I decided to listen to it. And by the time I get, I park the car, I take the CD out. I get into my, I was in a dorm at the time. I get into my dorm room. Um, I'm calling, Like I call you, I called the number on the back. It was your number. I called the number on the back and I called you. And I remember you're like, hello? <laughs> and it's like, you're outside somewhere. And I can't remember exactly what I said. I just remember I was like, look, I need you to come. Are you in, like, are you in Tokyo right now? And you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like you're at your CODA, the base. And you're, you're like, yeah. And I was like, man, I need you to come over to my crib, like right now, like right now. Hmm. and. And I remember you're like, yo, I'm getting gas. Uh, yeah, I guess I can do that. I know. And I remember in my, at the time I was like, this probably sounds crazy as hell to him, but I was like, dude, this dude's got it. And um, you came through. You came into the crib, and that was it. I think we were there like in the in, in my room for like about three or four hours. Yeah, was, like, talking about uh, music, sharing beats, uh, sharing you know, talking about shared interests in music, all that, and it just clicked from there, man.
0: So so,
1: I need to take. I
0: need to take one minute to talk about something because I'm going to wind up referencing it a little bit later. Okay. So so even before Okinawa, when I was living in Dover, Delaware, mm. I had a record label. I didn't call it a record label at that particular time because I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize I didn't realize that I was an engineer, a producer, an artist, and basically running a record label, doing digital design. I didn't I didn't I didn't attribute all of those hats to what I was doing. But hindsight being 2020, even in Delaware, I had a crew um, Mm. that I was producing and recording and the whole lot. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's that's important. That's important to know. And I'm saying this because we had a conversation earlier about the group grown man, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later. And, uh, and it really helps me to understand why and how I so quickly got myself right back in the same position (laughs) with Mm. with grown man, Mm. because it was something that I was used to. It was, Um. it was something that I had done. And, and even in Okinawa, I produced so many brothers. Like I had, done so much music for so many brothers that it was it was intuitive. It was intuitive for me to kind of do the same thing. And I just I didn't realize it at the time. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Um, because because literally the next thing that happens between us is we get together and we decide we want to produce music together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the uh goal. Um at least in my eyes. I and yeah, it blossomed later on into being a group, I had no mm-hmm. clue that that was going to happen. I think it was definitely very organic. Um, very. But at the time it's like, you know, what I'm realizing is like, okay, there's, I kind of immerse myself into this scene, this Japanese hip hop scene. Um, and, and at the same time, it's like kind of noticing like, all right, there's a sound here. Like they, there's definitely like a sound mm-hmm. in Japanese hip hop. Everybody, everywhere has a sound. If you, if, if, uh you know, hip hop in the South is like you know dominated by eight oh eights and bass, and uh, and uh, at the time you know hip hop in New York was dominated by horns and strings and all this other stuff. You know, and, and kind of a boom bap sound. Japanese hip hop had a very similar sound too, not re- far removed from East Coast hip hop, but still very um,
0: regimented, very regimented, very regimented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and 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 this is to be honest, it's not to knock anybody. There there was a large percentage of it that I wasn't really necessarily feeling. Again, at this time. You have, you know, um, hip hop at, at its, at its height in 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 the U S so I'm gauging this music that I'm hearing here off of that, obviously, like I'm measuring it against that, you know, and, but there was enough of it for me to be like, man, there's some of it here. That's just amazing. You know? And, um, my idea was like really simple. It was just to insert myself within that scene as a uh, as a hip-hop producer. Um, mind you, I'm in the Air Force at the time, and my goal was to be located somewhere nearby a very thriving hip-hop scene. Um, the only base in the States that was close to, as an Air Force person, that was close to New York was McGuire, and that was still like a Two, three hours away, I think, from New York City. Um you right. had bases in London, but I didn't really know much about the UK hip hop scene. It wasn't really well, that driving. Do-
0: where I was in Dover was it was two and a half
1: miles, two and a half hours away from from New York City too. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. That is true. Um and then you also have bases in Germany, but again, like nowhere mm-hmm. outside of the States had such an expansive hip hop scene as, as 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 Japan did. I mean again. a massive, you know, know, it's a massive scene. Um, There's, at the time, you know, Def Jam Japan is doing this huge, huge launch, and they're pushing out all these albums, you know, Davo, uh, Sphere of Influence, Token I-X, and it it was just, it was, and then DJs, I mean, come on, like, DJs in Japan, to be honest, like, some of the best DJs in the world, if not the best, you know, um, per capita, it's just like, they just have some amazing DJs and record diggers there, so it just made sense. Mm. So, for me, that was my goal. That was it. The priority was to learn how to make beats <laughs> that I felt good about right. and um, to sell those to Japanese artists so I could that way start to cut my teeth. And it, so, it, totally, it totally was about cutting my teeth and totally was about the practice of being a working music producer. And that seemed like the perfect grounds to do it in. And
0: the more you talk about it, the more I realize how different our trajectories would have been had we met each other.
1: Right? Oh, totally. Because, totally. Because
0: I wasn't. I don't want to. It's not that I was not interested in Japanese hip hop. It's just that I was indifferent to it. It wasn't yeah. on my radar. Yeah. Like it just wasn't something I had even considered until you in, until you introduced it to me when we when we got together. And the reason why I brought up Delaware and the reason why I brought up what I was doing at Okinawa again is because I was very much on the same trajectory. I had always yeah. I had always intended to just go back to the states when this was over. So. I was just trying to continue doing what I was doing in Delaware, you know? And, yeah, totally. and meeting you, meeting you, I just looked at it as a continuum of that. And you were talking about Japanese hip hop and it was, it was a curious thing to me. You know, it was, it mm. was, it was a curious thing to me, but I, it wasn't, uh, you, you took me to meet, um, DJ Mudo. I don't know if you remember this.
1: Yeah. i um, club Harlem. Yeah. So the, yeah. So, me- um,
0: no, no, we, I, it wasn't. It wasn't. We 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 met him on the sh- at his studio on the streets, and we went up to that's right. That's right. That's we right. Went that's up that's right. Like that's right. Record spot. It was like a yeah. Like
1: KODP King of Digging Productions. Uh, that's DJ Moodle's crew. By the way, if folks don't know about DJ Moodle, he still is M U R O still is to this day uh, one of my favorite DJs. Period in the world, one of the Dude's best sick. in the
0: world. But imagine, sick. imagine, imagine going to New York City, right? and um imagine going to New York City (laughs) knowing nothing about New York City hip-hop yeah and and just just completely naive and the Mm. very first Japanese hip-hop figure you meet is DJ Premier yeah and you don't even know who he is
1: or why right. you should know who he is. Right,
0: right, 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 right. The significance, the significance is just not even there. Like I'm more so like wondering if he can play my CD. You, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm not even I'm not I'm not even taking in the moment. Like like I should have the because the next time I saw Mudo which was years later, I didn't I couldn't even get to him. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. yeah. That's how, that's how crazy it was because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. And, and, and again, I will, and we're, we're going to get to, to, to some of whatever, what our uh, specific accomplishments were, but I just want to make it clear that, that, uh, man, we were just on two
1: different paths. Two different know? paths, but also I, I would say, um, both still very, very new to this thing, you know, very new to this place and very naive, very naive, um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't say necessarily naive as far as like being naive and cocky about it. It was just more like kind of learning as we went, you know. Um, I, I, and, and, and it's kind of important for me to bring this up and, you know, just to highlight how new you were to it. I remember I gave you a stack of CDs of uh, Japanese hip hop CDs. I think mm-hmm. that, I think I might have given it to you on our first meeting or maybe our second meeting. I gave you like a stack of stuff. I was like, yo, just, just bump this for a little while. Mm-hmm. And you brought it back. And I remember you're like, ah, I'm not really feeling a whole bunch of that, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Like there, there, there are things that you were feeling. There's a lot of stuff that you weren't feeling. And yeah. a, a big part of this is like, in, you know, um, when you don't speak the language, obviously it's like you're not understanding what's being said. Right. So for us, at least, I, I can speak for myself. And, and I think that I'm speaking for you when I say that groove and flow, like concepts like that were very important to me when it came to, like, attaching myself to certain works that I was coming across there, For because sure. it's like, yo, I don't know what this guy's saying, but you know what? Yo, it's Duke and Flo. I can tell he's spitting. Um, the beat is swinging hard. It's crazy, you know? Um, it's because it, 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 the voice is an instrument. You can just tell when the MC is really riding on the track or when somebody's just, like, kind of like the circumstance of a track. So, let, you know, me, just so like, let me,
0: let me, well, let me come to their defense on that. Let me say sure. that, let me say that we... If you listen to Japanese hip hop today, which I've heard some of it recently, they've grown by leaps and bounds in terms 100%. of 100. like the newer Japanese MCs, they get it. Like they 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 got it. Like the, the pocket, the flow, they got it. More way more than not. Right? Like yeah, there's still a few yeah. regimented ones out there, but they are now the the uh especially since they've been abusing trap style beats. Like the, the people that are more regimented are the are are, are the small amount of, of newer artists. And so but at that time, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say a lot of them were still trying to figure it out. They were still yeah. trying to figure out how they hadn't gone through their renaissance yet. Like like they had a couple of artists. I I would say Dabo was one of them. You know what I'm saying? Well, I would say sphere of influence was one of them. Like like the guys that of got it early I feel like took off a lot faster like yeah, well, I they, was gonna say, able to
1: master it early there was having you know having done the research there was an actual Renaissance um, b- prior to us arriving there there was a quote-unquote Renaissance very similar to um, in America like we kind of had the golden era hip-hop Renaissance you had a very similar thing that happened in the 90s in Japan and um and what ended up happening was that Renaissance wasn't in necessarily a commercial renaissance, but it was sonically a renaissance in hip hop because you had the muros the Dabos, the Zebras, the K-Up Shines, these different artists who would become later on heritage artists, you know, like they're the living legends now. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of founded themselves and rooted themselves down um as to being like we're the ones who are carrying this banner. When we got there, it was just before, just before they were to hit their renaissance, you know, like commercially, like okay, now we've really arrived. Right. Like our sound is now dominating pop culture in Japan, um, and th- that's that's super important, super important. Right. And you know, I um, I remember, and, and you know, I, I would be remiss not to mention this. You know that um, there was a, another artist or another producer who I met actually when I was living in Guam. I went to travel to o- to Osaka, and I got introduced to a uh, to a producer at the time it was called Beat Legend or Beat mm-hmm. Um and he had a group that he was producing called Doberman. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a minidisc with a Xerox copy of the, of, of the cover because the CD was so new it had just come out or it was just about to drop. Um, came back home with it and I was just like, man, this is wild. Actually, no, I was living in Okinawa at the time. And I was like, this is wild. Like this dude actually gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, randomly, I'm shopping inside of a uh, CD store. I think I was in Tower Records in Shibuya. Shout out to the Tower Records because they're still doing it. And that was my spot because, you know, I think it was at the sixth floor was all yeah, hip hop. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, all what yeah, they yeah. call black music and it, it, everything that you want it. You can get it there. Soul, mm-hmm. you know, rare soul reissues, jazz For stuff, sure. uh, sure. any hip hop, Japanese or American. Yeah. I happen to be strolling through there and Doberman has another album that came out called Mega City Five, double mm-hmm. CD. And I remember I gave it to you and mm-hmm. we both like look at each other after when we're playing it. And you're like, yo. Who is this dude? <laughs> and that that was that was for me. That was when it was like at least for me. That was when it was like green light. Go. Okay, we found our bar. Now we got to talk. What this guy is doing here? For sure. If we actually want to get noticed and recognized. So yeah, yeah. Because,
0: because before that, before that, I was on my American superiority complex.
1: You yeah, and, and I mean? real quick before we get into that, actually, mm-hmm. real. I'm sorry about that because we did talk about talking no, no, about no, this. Um, Beat legend actually ended up. Uh, Changing his name at that point to Bach Logic. Gotcha. So I knew the, the group. Cool. Gotcha. I I knew the group when I went mm-hmm. to go look at the credits. It all said Bach Logic, and I was like, Bach Logic. It's not this that other dude, but the beat sounded the same, and I realized that he had changed his name. You know, it, you know his sonic ID. You know, mm-hmm. it was the same. It was like, yo, it's that dude. You mm-hmm. know, so. Okay, great. <laughs> I just have to put that nah, in there real quick. <laughs> nah, you good. I need
0: to. I need to. If you talk to Sean, I need to know how Sean got his hand on my CD. I, I, I don't know how he would have gotten story. it. I, I yeah. just I don't know. How, I, it would now. It was being sold at every BX and PX on Okinawa. It was. I don't know how he would have gotten his hand on it. That's that's. Interesting.
1: I feel that he got it from somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I, if the if memory, I could be totally wrong, but if memory serves me correct, I want to say that he got it from somebody. It, it literally was passed hand to it, hand. It was totally circumstance. I mean, or totally random how it got right, into my right, hands. Right, right, like, right. It wasn't by design necessarily, um, right. but it happened and it was the best of happenings, you know, for me anyway. And I and um, I just, and I, and I
0: just want to for historical purposes, because I don't believe we're going to touch on this a whole lot more. Um, just, just, to go back a little bit to the, to the, to the um, when you, when you, when you had said that you weren't certain how it became a group um, from hmm. from our initial meeting, but it did happen organically. I have to mention that what literally happened was I worked with Ashton and D. Right, like gonna, shout out to Ashton them, and D. Right? Shout out to Ashton and D. So we worked at the same place. I was on my way in and Ashton was on his way out, okay? Mm. And so when I started working there, I gave my CDs around. This is what happened. I gave a copy of Still Dreaming to everybody I worked with, all the brothers at least. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so um, what happened was is D started jamming to it and was loving it and told me he messed around with music. and was kind of doing his thing, all right? Mm. And then um, Ashton... Uh, had a copy of it and told me the same thing and then he he asked me he told me that I needed to meet this brother on bass that make beats like Kanye West right mm. and he was mm. like man this dude sound just like Kanye West this dude' dope y'all need to meet each other well that wound up being you he was uh, talking he
1: was talking about you. Oh, yo, 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 yo! I, I think I met Ashton before I met you. Right, that's exactly. Right. That's, oh my God! Right, that's yeah. that, wow. That's why I needed to. Wow. That's why I needed
0: to bring this up for historical context. Yeah. What, happened yes, was, yes. what happened was, what happened was, is, is Ashton starts telling me about you, and and Ashton and I, because we worked overnight, we we set up at work, and we would listen to. We were huge Kanye West fans, and we had a couple of his mixtapes that he had
1: out. it was on his run. He was on a heavy yeah. run. Just and the so, beginning of his run.
0: And so in Japan, you could buy, like those hard to find mixtapes, you could buy them on the shelf in Japan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, and Shibuya. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, so I'm, and so he's, so Ashton is playing me this music and he's, and he's talking about you and he's talking about you every night. I had already met you, but I didn't know that you were who he was talking about.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: So I was just like, oh, it's another brother that do his thing. And I'm telling him, oh yeah, I met this one brother too. You know, that, that do his thing. Yeah. And so during those times where he and I was listening to music at night, D would come up to us and he would start, lit, you know what I mean? So we we, had, yeah. we had all kind of started to vibe together. Um, they found out I did beats, started coming to the to, to my place. No, we started going over D's place. And then, mm. uh, and I told them that I wanted them to meet these other two guys I had met, which was you and Tay. Right? Wow. <laughs> so, and that was it. And that was it. And we all started meeting over these place. And then um, we just decided we wanted to do some music together. You know, and and we and, uh, the name came up Grown Man. We called each other, uh, uh, we called a group Grown Man. And then uh, Ashton started telling me about this other young guy that sang. He's this, he's, he sings, but he works another shift. I don't really know him. He works another shift. As a matter of fact, I had met him one time. Somebody was like, Yo, this is Los. And I was like, Yo, what up, man? I'm Mark. He was like, What up, man? This, this, this is Los, man, your local player.
1: And I Los, was like, Shout out to Los, and, and man. I was like, uh. I don't
0: know this dude, but I don't like him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 uh, <laughs> so, to double back on to Bronx, so to Bronx introduces me to a whole nother record label on base. I don't even know if you knew about this, but even, <laughs> there's a whole other record. There's a record label functioning on base and the main artist is this guy named Sterling. I
1: his name. Yeah,
0: he was called Sterling the Pimp.
1: Wow. Wait, wow, the is that Pimp. was his, is that yes. that was his name? Yes, Holy name, shit. His, <laughs> his oh my gosh. Was, his
0: name was Sterling the Pimp and he was the wow. spouse and he was the spouse of a young lady that was stationed over there.
1: Oh, is and, this the guy who had like a he had like a really big setup inside of his crib like yes. a huge mixing board? Yes. yes. I so yes. he, he's always, he always evaded me. Like I never, I mean, I never sought him out, but I always heard about this yo, you ever went to right. Sterling's crib? He's got all this stuff. And I was yes. just like, I don't so, know what you're talking about. So Bronx introduces me
0: to Sterling. And so I'm over there, we listening to each other's music and we vowing to do stuff together. I go to a couple of Sterling shows on bass, you know, and during the process, they got this other artist they want to sign to the label. And that artist is Los. Got, it. Right? got it. So and so, I wind up meeting Los officially in that capacity. Tell him I got this group I'm working with, right? And then mm. we invite him into the situation, and he become and he comes in right at the end of like yeah. uh, the first project, and then and then. So I just wanted to state those things for historical purposes, and just make sure that we got that out there, you know, to talk about how grown man, you know, yeah, together. Um yeah. I, had, I had met. Uh, Yoke shopping for equipment. Yoke, which is a Japanese DJ, uh, winds up becoming the DJ of Grown Man. You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, and that's
1: the group. And that's the group. Yeah. (laughs) And we and and we and we start doing shows together and and so on and so forth. Well, one of the things that we mentioned, like kind of in our notes uh, before we uh, started recording, was about kind of misconceptions because I think it's kind of important that we're definitely gonna as we start talking about the formation of the group and our um our paths are um together and separate within japan um you were kind of mentioning about this uh i guess you brought it up the way you brought it up was the kind of american superiority complex yeah i i Um, had that i made it oh go ahead let me let you finish oh no i i think i was gonna say that i think that that's really really important because um it's something that not is not just exclusive to our experiences i think a lot of people um can maybe get some value from that, um, a little insight from people who've actually noticed it and even noticed ourselves taking part in it um, and, and, and 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 not even realizing that we are doing it, you know, and then kind of getting hit with the cold water, like, ooh, like, yeah, like, okay, I need to kind of rearrange my whole perception around um, what it is I think this place is and what my place within it is, so.
0: Well, yeah, because my first thought about taking my music to Japan uh, whether it be my beats whether it be grown man was let me go show them how that's re- how it's really done yeah i was about to say the same right? thing man. Like, i was like my, <laughs> that was my attitude my attitude was well i'm about to go out here and show them how oh, oh they do they, they doing hip-hop let me go show them how to really do hip-hop let me go show exactly. them how, let me go show them uh something that they don't understand already and i took the fact like they have a very uh kind culture like like Um, they're all taught to be very good ambassadors of their culture. Even the gangsters, like this is crazy. Mm. You can meet the most gangster people, Yakuza, like like top, high members. And these these, these people put their hands on people for a living. You understand? And and you will meet them (laughs) and you will meet them and they will greet you in the kindest way. Like the kindest way, if you're in a capacity where you can get drinks, they'll offer you drinks. Everybody in that culture... Are excellent ambassadors of their culture, okay? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so, and so, I took that as weakness. My, 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 my. I I didn't know that that's what I was doing at the time. But I thought that they were showing me that kind of respect because I was American, because I was black, because he was I, the man. Uh, yeah, because I was that. I was <laughs> that guy, right? I'm the guy, yeah. so they're so they're going so to they show me this respect. And I had it, and and not not understanding that 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 it was just cultural to to do that, to, 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 you know, and it it wouldn't be until later
1: when I realized that, you know, that's not what it was at all, you you know? Exactly. I had very, very similar, um, kind of similar expectations, um, as well. I mean, prior to it, some of this is like a young person's bravado, you know, um, or ego, um, kind of at play. Definitely. A lot of it is, you know, young me and my ego at play, Mm. um, thinking that I'm going to get there, and it's just going to all fall on my lap. I'm going to be the dude. It's going to be this whole other world, you know, um, where I'm like going to be running shit, you know, right, um, right, just, right. just to, just to put it bluntly. Um, and it took me getting there. actually, um, to understand that number one, that was not going to happen. Mm. I think that I understood that pretty quickly, that that was not going to happen. Um, and number two, um, not only had they had their own thing going over there, but they had had their own thing going for much longer than my involvement in it was. Nice. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, mind you, I, I got to paint this scene like for o two o three, stepping into a club that plays nothing but hip hop in Japan. Like, this is the era of, like, you know, cats rocking and and Timberlands Force Ones, you know, all mm-hmm. white on white, um, rocking... Um, Throwback jerseys, all that, Mitchell and ness, all that. Like they had it all. Like these cats, like had it, their fashion right. was down to a yo, oh my gosh, man. So here I am. I'm like, I got my white and white force ones, but I can't really get that six hundred dollar jersey. I'm running around <laughs> the triple XL white and white t-shirt. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, white yeah. T's. Yeah, yeah. Um and and I just knew really quickly, like, oh no, they get that shit together. I ain't shit, you know? Um, that 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 was the, the first kind of um realization that I had. I, but it, it, it was more like the nuances of the culture that I had to really reckon with. Um, like you said, um, very excellent ambassadors to the culture. Um, I, I, I don't want—I hate using like cliche terms, like or our generalizations, even like you know is this. You know, dealing with people who say, for example, will give me the shirt off of their back, but it's a very giving place. Oh yeah, um, what sure. I did not understand was that, like, just like in the, you know anybody in an ambassadorial role, is that you're creating the best welcome that you can for somebody. You're putting your best foot forward. does not mean that you're going to afford people that all the time. Right. Um, And I think it's important for Americans to get that, especially like kind of moving away from the music for a second and just kind of um, stating that. And and I'm going to run on for a second, but I think it's important to kind of put this uh, little tidbit in there. Very early on in my time there, I had a, and this is a CD era, Instead of taking my truck into Shibuya, I I went to Harajuku. No, 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 no. I went to, um, where did I go? I I went to Akihabara. Akihabara, Mm -hmm. electric town. Well, you know, it's an area in Tokyo if you haven't been. It's all kinds of used gear and electronic shops everywhere, you know. And so I went there to go digging for some gear. Um, I had a book of 200 CDs. And these are all like current Hip hop CDs this is what I was listening to. I had my waltman, all that man, and uh-huh. um, and I had within that CD book a mini disc drive as well with headphones. Now on the trains in Shibu- or in, in in Japan, there are spaces like above where you sit, to like a little rack to put your stuff. And so I get off the train when I get back to where I'm living at, where we're living at, and I left my CD book, all the CDs on the train, and I do. I was panicked. By the time I get back to the base, I'm like, oh shit, I left everything on the train, it's gone, you know, I spent, you know, and this is like well over a thousand dollars worth of CDs, you know? Like, so I'm like, oh my God, you know, I've got all this, you know, just, just, just gone. Um, Somebody on base is like, you should call the train, like the station master. I call the station master (laughs) that night. He's like, the train's going to come back around from going all the way across Tokyo back um, to, uh, to, uh, he told me that that train car, that train car was going to switch to a different line. It wouldn't be back. This is like a 10 or 11 in the morning. He's like, it won't be back until eight or nine o'clock at night. I can't remember the time, but he's like, be here during that time. And so I'm like, okay, all right. right, I guess it's worth a check. Um, I actually missed going there. I I, I just didn't forget about it, but I was like, in my mind, I'm like, it's not going to be there, whatever. I don't even know why he asked me to come all the way back. I get a call from him saying to come. Through the train, he had actually stepped in the train, and my CD book was still there. It was still mm-hmm. there. nobody had touched it. so you're coming from America, inserting yourself into a culture where things like that happen right exactly and and not necessarily willfully wanting to be malicious or wanting to be manipulative of it, but well you're not used to that level of kindness and generosity, um, you kind of start to take a lot of it for granted you know. For sure. um, Take it all at face value and like, you know, this is just how it's going to be. Um, and it's a very quick route to getting your name kind of sullied over there because you, it's like you, go ahead.
0: you. You brought up a very good point that I, I didn't consider. You know, mm-hmm. by the time I got to Tokyo, I was still fairly new in what I was doing. I mean, i had been doing it for a few years, but I was intersecting with people that had full blown careers already.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, they, they had way more experience in what I was, what I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to show them a thing or two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but these are, <laughs> but, but, but these, but these are people like you stated that had way more invested in the culture of hip hop than I did at that particular time. You know, I mm-hmm. hadn't, I hadn't considered that before. That's a very, that's, 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 that's good. Like, that's good. Yeah. That's true, because I'm trying to pass beats to people that had multiple albums out already. Mm, you know, exactly. That were making a living off of it. And I was new to even selling beats to begin with. You know, oh, Rico, 100, yeah. And hadn't yeah, even, yeah. hadn't even, un- until I got there, hadn't had ever even been in a real studio. But I'm walking around with this.
1: <laughs> with this yeah, my, fir- my, first, my first experience is, yeah, my first experiences of ever going to a studio ever getting my, you know, my first ever check from music. Yeah. It was all done there. I got so many lessons. I didn't know about royalties, Yeah, all this stuff, you know, I didn't know because their business was so locked on tight and still is, you know? So uh-huh. I, um, I just didn't know. Again, it's because of the fact that here I am thinking that, you know, I, 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 in hindsight, it's like, is it because I'm black and I'm from America? Like, okay, all right. I must know better because this is my culture, you know? Um, Right. You know, when I would, when I, when I, the times the very few times I would go back home or even on, on the base and I would talk to other Americans like, yeah, I'm trying to really work with Japanese artists, you know, um, they would scoff at it. They would, they would right. laugh at it. And, and if I was in a position to play music, then they would be like, they would be made believers. They'd be like, Oh, oh but which, you know, crazy. some of
0: them were so aware. Yeah. Some of, some, some of the, the, the Japanese people that we encountered were so aware that they would ask us, why you, why you want to do this?
1: Yeah. You know, why <laughs> yeah. why?
0: Like, why? How come? And and to be in all in all honesty, I took offense to it. I took offense I to it. I remember that. I remember that. You know, um, which was the first wrong thing I did. But it mm-hmm. it, it seems so blatant and forward and 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 just in disregard for you know what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm I'm doing it because I should be. This is where I'm at. I make dope beats. Y'all should just rock with me just because you should.
1: Yeah, you should yeah.
0: And they they can smell the superiority uh, complex on me. Like they can smell it. So they're, they're asking me, why are you here? Why don't you, you know, Japanese people are at least at that particular time, the people we were encountering in in the early two thousands were not people that were born into the culture. They were people that, that came into the culture, maybe as teens or something like that, you know, um, or, yeah. or some of them, some of them came to America, got the culture and took it back. You know, so, yeah, on and so there's on. a lot of that, too. Well, yeah. Now what you would see there are people that are born that were born into the culture. Right. So like they, they have a completely different uh, vantage point. So the reason there's a reason why people kept asking me why I wanted to do it there. It's because I guess in terms of their lifetime, it was still kind of fresh. You know, yes. You,
1: know, yeah. you yeah. know, they
0: they knew each other growing up in school, and they know that that's not what they were on. You know, <laughs> you know when they were. Yeah, in it,
1: it was still it was still enough of a subculture at that time, um, to like not be necessarily household. You know, like it is now. Yeah. Um, it, it's also like you know, and you know, kind of like the idea. You know, like I said, I was just talking about really the you know the idea of me like you know it, 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 looking back at it now like. I I never would have thought like, okay, all right, yeah, this is going to be like, or the significance of me getting my first ever checks from there would be, um, or or having my first ever studio experiences or first time ever really having somebody um, outside of the R group uh, recording on my music. I never knew or really understood how much of an impact that would have on my life. Right. But- I'll also say that my first like um, experiences of rejection of actually like making tracks
0: mm. and,
1: and then having them rejected. I remember the first time I ever, you showed me how to actually um, get my beats into a CD. Oh, wow. Um, you showed me how to get my beats into a CD. I made my first ever beat CD, first ever beat tape, mm. you know? And, uh, and, and I take the, uh, I take the, uh, the, 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 the CD with me to Harlem. I'm proud at this point. Cause it's been about eight months to a year. That I've been going there, and now finally, like I have a CD of, of beats to start uh-huh. passing to people. A couple of them did actually get chosen for projects, but I had probably like twenty beats on there, man, and they all got passed over. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, I was getting, uh, you know, a few weeks were passing. I was still going to Club Harlem, and um, I was asking folks. I was like, "Yo, check out the CD. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Like, all right, yeah. was wh- the other stuff?" I'd be like, "What?" You know, and and, and that rubbed me wrong. And, and, and for, for a while, I had to, like, really get over myself. Like, who are these cats to tell me that they're not going to take any of my beats? Like, are you fucking serious? You know? Um, but it taught me a lot. That experience taught me a lot about being a producer. It taught me a lot about, okay, all right, I can come up with ideas and come up with tracks. But not every track is, like, meant to be in a certain project. Like, these cats are actually putting together something right here. I can't just go and insert this track into there or what I think might be good for them because of the fact that it's going to offset the balance of their entire project. That was a very advanced way of thinking for me at the time that I, you know, I had never considered that, you know, Mm -hmm. really thinking about, you know, and one of the, one of the rappers that I was really trying to get my tracks, you know, into his hands, he told me about that. You know, he's like, well, if you listen to my music, you should really kind of keep the things that you know about me, In mind, if you're trying to actually give me tracks, you know. and and that's
0: and that's tough to do if you if you are still working out your skill level, like
1: in your sound. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand till much, much, much later, much later, how to produce for an artist. I knew how to make beats. I knew how to make beats. You know, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to pull up and like his his the superiority complex. Right here, and I'm ending on this. Right, <laughs> <laughs> this okay. this is it in a nutshell. Yo, let me listen to such and such as album. All right, you give me such and such as album. I listen to it. Man, this shit is whack, man. I need to get some of my beats on there.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: Like mm. completely disregarding whatever was happening on that CD. Uh, I CD, remember CD that conversation. That I'm going I, think, to I think I remember the I'm, I'm going to my music. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> I'm to I'm take my music to them and show them how to really do it. So here, take this CD, man, so you can listen to some real beats and and, and rap on my stuff. <laughs> and, then, and then when they wouldn't get back to me, now I got a problem. Now I'm upset at them when they telling me Literally, literally a guy told me he was like the the, the, the bass is too is too light, it's weak. He told
1: me the bass was weak. Oh I remember you told me you called yeah. me and told me about this. Told I the, remember oh my the, the, the bass was weak and I was like, how dare you? You know, you
0: know, <laughs> you know like, <laughs> like like
1: like the indignation was 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 in oh, real yeah, form. I, I think from there you took it to this whole other like they don't like bass in their beats over here. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right, just right. Generalized about fault. everybody. Not <laughs> yeah. the fact that, not the fact that I really didn't
0: know. I, I wasn't even aware that I had to tune my bass sounds to the sample. Like, like this is how early yeah. in beat making I am. I I don't even realize that actually, if I listen to it, there it it, it the bass is like like it's nice yeah. it it really is like so and so that that's what i mean and and so uh it will be it will be zebras some years later that would sit down with me i am gonna tell it on another episode how he actually wrote out beat making for me on a white piece of paper it was hilarious <laughs> but uh <laughs>
1: but where where where
0: what we did have was a lot of raw talent man I, I think we should probably yeah. end it there you know what i'm saying Yeah,
1: but, yeah i would say definitely at, at least for my it, my side to end things you know I, I would say that that raw talent and the space that we happen to be in at that time um they both kind of came together for to be what i look at now as being a very very good and ample uh training training ground for us mm. you know um because mind you this this is this is almost a decade before we would be back in the states kind of mm-hmm. cutting our teeth here um, but it, it was a very, very good training ground, a, a, place, a good place for us to be disappointed, a good place for us to have our kind of breakthroughs and successes, um, all that, man. But I definitely in you know, our breakthroughs and successes. I definitely want to start to talk about that. Hopefully yeah, in the next episode, we'll get sure. we'll get into that. You know, for so. sure. I'm
0: just um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy, uh, uh, you know, bear with me because, you know, part of my selfish reasons for wanting to do this was to document things and to have them officially documented. So, so uh, I promise moving forward, I'm going to dig more into what we actually (laughs) did. Right, right, right. (laughs) I'm not, trust me y'all, like it's coming, it's coming, you know, but I just, I wanted to make sure that I made certain acknowledgements and that I document what in the world was happening at that particular time. As I move forward, I will definitely uh, spend more time talking about, my time working with Japanese artists and my experiences and uh you know because there's a lot there, but I just wanted to get yeah. that stuff
1: out of the way yeah yeah i think I think that's a great uh, foundation that's been laid um looking forward to um I think that that's also going to be interesting because our paths are going to start to kind of diverge at that mm-hmm. point um and you're going to go on a you're we're going to go on very similar paths but in very and, and in and in the same geographic location, but very Differing paths as well. Mm-hmm. You're going to go on the work of a whole cast of characters, and in a lot of ways, you had you had more success working in Japanese hip hop than I did. <clears throat> you were working on bigger projects than I was. Right.
0: I, <clears throat> I would I, I would I would say that. I would also say that it wasn't. It, it definitely wasn't by design.
1: Yeah. No. 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 You know not at mean? all. Yeah. Not that's just all. what
0: I. That's just kind of what I. What I backed into because in order to get into the circles you were in, it took. How you how you said you met DJ Hazame and how you went to Harlem yeah. first and you did all of those things. That is the path of someone that will be accepted into that community of, for lack of better words, quote unquote, real hip hop. You yeah. know, at that particular yeah. time, they just didn't know me. Just exactly, you know, exactly. And, and my my introduction was just a completely different way. Now I now we wound up knowing the same people. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wound up crossing paths with these people, but it was harder for me to go back mm. than it was for, mm. you to, for you to move forward. For For me to go back and for me to deal with those people and for them to know I worked with the artists that I worked with, <laughs> it was, it seemed out of sequence, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like it, it was, it yeah. was like, it, to them it might've felt like I didn't pay dues or something like that. But again, but I'm, but I, I'm, I'm, getting ahead of myself. You know what I'm saying? I just wanted to make <laughs> sure that, that, uh, that I got those things out there.
1: Where, where, so what we got coming up in the next episode?
0: The next episode is the is is hmm. I want to make sure it's chronological now, so I yeah. would I I would say producing Japanese hip hop.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Producing I Japanese hip hop would be would be next because because my because that's those will be very different stories. Just oh, starting yeah. out. Just starting out. Yep. <laughs> produce producing Japanese hip oh, yeah. hop.
1: Awesome. That's um, I'm looking forward to it. I I think we both, um and you still you have like a lot of stories that I don't really um that I don't really, um, you know, haven't really heard. I know that I have some that you For sure. haven't heard either. But I'm also interested to relearn again, like how it was that you fell within the, or fell into the circles that you right. fell into and kind of like explaining out how I got into the circles that I um you know that I got into and you know each of these circles had their own cast of characters their sure. own different opportunities that we kind of pursued so, so yeah yeah awesome awesome looking forward to it man
0: yes sir Well, y'all make sure you subscribe man wherever you get wherever you listen to your podcast um you can just look up that feeling podcast D A T F E L I N uh podcast if you if you can't remember anything else and you will you will find our podcast they're lost in translation. Again, I'm Mark. And I'm Malik Abdur Rahman. Hey, we'll see y'all next time. Peace.